Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So there I was, 6 a.m. I'm hanging out with Finn doing seven-month-old toddler things like, I don't know, stacking blocks and clapping our hands. He's not exactly a toddler. He's a... he's. He's yeah, still just true. a baby. He's a baby. He's a, a, an infant. Yes. An infant. Go so on. there it was. 6 a.m. I'm holding it down with Finn. Wes walks into the room. He's just woken up. He says, I got a popsicle. <laughs> and he, at 6 a.m., had woken up out of his bed, went into the kitchen, opened up the freezer, got the popsicle box, got a popsicle out of the popsicle box, took the wrapper off. That's next level. Impressive. That's the first time he's ever taken the wrapper off himself. And walks in and says, I got a popsicle. And I say, oh, 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 no, no, no. We don't eat popsicles for breakfast. Oh, oh Wes, dear. no. Let's put it back. And then he But he was so proud out. of himself. He was so proud of himself. For getting a popsicle and opening it up by himself. But it was popsicle. We don't eat popsicles for breakfast. Right, right. Got to <sighs> start the day off right with some, you know, with some sugary blueberries <laughs> no. um some butter toast yeah i mean could we have let the popsicle slide maybe but the real trick the real uh, thing that gets us is ariel not 30 seconds before had said sure wes you can have a popsicle <laughs> Because he really went to Ariel first. I was really proud of him. And he you was like, look what I mommy. did. And I was like, cool, bud. Okay. And there was never a point when I actually said, yes, you can eat that popsicle. Oh, that I right? just I just never was like. He, he could see it in your eyes. He could probably see it in my eyes. I, I was for him. I was more like, Wes, you did a great job opening it up by yourself. You know, such a big kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eating breakfast. <laughs> but, <laughs> eating bre- you know, fixing your own breakfast. I mean, I mean I, like, yeah, yeah. I said all that too, but then, uh, then I said no popsicle. Yeah, and he and flipped it, out because I think he thought mommy said yes popsicle, mm. and that's the worst. Type I didn't. Of confusing. I didn't. I didn't say no. I didn't say no. So technically, in toddler, that means yes. Uh, yeah, so we had a little miscommunication there. But yeah. you know, how can you communicate in two separate rooms at six a.m.? I know. But I thought I was the first on his uh, call list. No, no, it was turns me. out I was second. It was me. You got to walk to mommy first. Anyways, we're talking about baby foods today. We're talking about popsicles for breakfast. <laughs> we are here with Jenny Best from Solid Starts. Hello, Jenny. Welcome. Hello. Welcome to Baby Steps. Is that Thank what we're you. talking about, Jenny? We're, we're talking about popsicles for breakfast. <laughs> Totally popsicles, blueberries, uh, totally strawberry, mix it, breast milk pop. We could go to breast milk popsicles, like a whole thing on that. That's Ooh. actually an excellent idea. Yeah, you, breast you milk popsicles. Freeze that, freeze that breast milk. 
Well, it's not like it's the first time I froze a breast milk. Yeah, but in a shape for a popsicle. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Um, but Jenny, we are so excited to have you. Um, so our producer, Rachel, has... Uh, has has been friends with you for yeah, vir- virtual friends. We we met yeah, virtual virtually friends. in Fair the enough. pandemic, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. Yeah. And now you you have basically started your own business in during the pandemic. Yeah. Um. I mean, you were just talking about being on Good Morning America. I things that you're just blowing up. Tell us a little bit about Solid Starts and and sort of how you got started. Yeah. You know, I um. So I'm a mom of three. At one point, it was three under three. It's like I've got the the battle wounds to prove that. Um, mm. And I I sort of unintentionally raised a really picky eater. And I'm you know I'm the chair of the board of the Museum of Food and Drink in New York. I've been in food and farming for the last twenty years of my career. Like how did I, you know, end up with a child who hates to eat? Like literally hates to eat. So. Um, it's kind of a, you know, a sob story, which I'll spare you of. But, you know, I, I go to the doctor's office. He's 12 months old. He's really below in weight. He's completely stopped eating at that point. We, we started spoon feeding him. He, you know, turning his head, pursing his lips, won't have any of that. And I didn't know what to do at the time. This was about five years ago. So, you know, I started pulling out my phone and the movies and the music and like dancing and doing the whole thing, like anything just to get him to open his mouth, right? Like the lengths we go to as parents just to get our kids to eat when they're not wanting to eat are, you know, can be kind of um, ridiculous. And that like started out kind of like crutches, like the iPhone was the crutch to getting him to open his mouth, take the food and all that. But it just kind of like spiraled down to this um, really tense experience at the table. He didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. I was worried all the time because he was losing weight. By the time we got to our doctor's office um, for his one uh, one year checkup, he was losing weight really rapidly. And by the 18 month oh checkup, he was less than the first percentile in weight. So he was basically Whoa. starving wow. himself. So, you know, when I got pregnant with the twins, um, I knew I wanted to start solids in a different way. When we look back at Charlie's story and, you know, what what happened? What was it that kind of got us from that point um, to the other? The dietitians that we work with and the feeding therapists um, basically traced it all back to a prolonged spoon feeding, prolonged and exclusive spoon feeding. So I was I was that mom, you know, I was like, my house is not going to get dirty. I am, gonna, you know, I'm going to put this tiny bit of a pouch on a spoon and like control the whole thing. And then I'm going to wipe the corners of his mouth like after he has a little bit of puree in there. And you Absolutely, could just see yeah. I was like all over him. I was totally controlling the process. And it wasn't fun for him at all. In fact, when he would like go to reach for the spoon, I remember kind of like pushing his hand away because I was terrified and nobody told me how this stuff is supposed to work. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I'm pregnant with twins and I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no way I'm going to have three picky eaters in my house. Like, I cannot do right. this. It's too hard. Like, no, no, no. So there's I started be some other way to do this has to be has to be. Yeah. We're all made to eat. Why does it have to be this hard? Um, so I really started researching alternatives to spoon feeding because, you know, we had traced it back to that sort of the cause. And, um, you know, we found baby led 
weaning, I read all the books, did all the research. And the first day of starting solids with the twins was like, their names are Max and Aidy. They're sitting there and I, I offered them some like salmon and some fruit, or I can't remember what it is, but um, they were so happy. They were smashing and grabbing and tasting everything. They were having a great time. And I remember FaceTiming with my mom and I was like, look at this. Look at this. Like, <laughs> is it possible it could be this easy? And it was just, you know, for me, it was a, a complete world change. They, they've they now had more than 400 foods. Um, and wow. it's fun to come to the table. Of course, my older one is still kind of whining and pouting and screaming that it's the worst mango ever that he's tasted. But, you know, <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> right, right. Kids are always going to be picky. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do a different a different episode on reversing picky eating because it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wait, so you mentioned baby led weaning. Tell us a little bit about like at a high level, what is baby led weaning? Yeah, so baby led weaning is just a term for starting solid food with infants, um, whereby you skip the purees and go straight to finger food. So but the mm -hmm. thing that nobody really tells you about is that by six months of age, if your child is sitting and has good head control and can reach and grab things, they're developmentally ready to self feed. So back mm -hmm. in the day in 1950, when we were starting purees at, wait for it, four weeks old. Thank what? you. Thank, thank you, Gerber. Um, you know, you needed you needed spoon feeding and purees to, to be right. safe. They right? They couldn't like, even hold their head up. Can't even. You'd, you'd have to feed them almost lying down, right? I mean, wow. which is like such a choking hazard, even with a puree. Um, so you know, it doesn't really make sense anymore. The guidelines that we have today, and you know, I think that we're just a little bit behind the times in changing um, our thinking about this. We're still doing what we've been told by, you know, or what our grandparents did or what our parents did, just because it's what they did. There's actually no research or evidence um, or developmental reason for uh, starting with purees and spoon fitting. It's just kind of what we've always been done. But if you really think about it, like what in infant health and pediatrics is based on zero evidence? Like what recommendations right. in that? Like yeah. it's completely unique in that way. So um, I'm hoping to be part of that change. Solid Starts is the platform for where we try to make it easier on um, the finger food process. Because I know a lot of parents are terrified, even with transitioning, <sighs> from spoons to to finger food, um, terrified about choking, terrified about gagging, the whole thing. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we basically have a um, the world's first food database for babies, and it shows you how to cut and prepare the food for your baby's specific age. And it's got videos of babies different ages eating the food, so you can kind of build your confidence and see, ah, okay, I my child's that age too. I think I think we can do this. <laughs> right, right. Wait, that yeah. sounds awesome. Well, it, that, we, it is awesome. Uh, yeah. I use it. And it's free. It's free and it'll be free <laughs> forever. You know, that when I set out better. when I set out to build solid starts, I I I never thought about like a tech application. Like I don't even use apps basically. I mean, I'm just not that kind of person. But I wanted to um, launch a campaign in the United States to get people interested in rethinking the the traditional 
method of introducing solids. And it ended up being that the thing that people needed the most was the, the exact details of how to cut food. It wasn't that, you know, Americans weren't interested in um, alternatives to spoon feeding. In fact, I think a lot of millennial parents really are interested in departing from a lot of the ways mm. our parents raised us. Um, but uh, yeah. it was the how to the logistics of it. So, you know, when we when we look at what parents are Googling, for example, we did a, a deep analysis of this. They're not looking for things like, you know, what is baby led weaning? They're like, when can I introduce eggs? How do I cut chicken? You know, is an, is an apple, sa- right. when is apple safe for babies? These very like hyper specific search terms. So we decided, okay, this is a food database in the making. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, we have started, you know, we've started solid starts. You're, you know, we've, we've basically been doing uh, baby led weaning. We started your program. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, we like with Wes, we started with purees, right? You know, we we started with purees at like four months. I think we started with, you know, we, we were making our own with the like yeah. baby Biaba yeah. thing, the blender, you know, the, the $200 yeah. blender. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, the, the, it was it was very easy. That thing was great. You, like we were like, let's start with carrots. This sounds like a good totally. idea. You know, and so we did that. And um and it, yeah, it, it, it turned out great. Wes Wes mostly eats noodles right now, but he he's also three. Uh, yeah, so yeah, strong noodle butter game. Yeah, yeah. Wes, uh, what do you want for dinner? Uh, noodles with butter. Um, okay. Some things he used to really like, and now he doesn't like at all, like eggs. Eggs. Oh, I think we. So we used to give him eggs with spinach every morning, and as like a you know eight month old, he just he would just eat that up. He just like fisting eggs, and uh, I think by by the time that he was like maybe 15 months old yeah he was not interested in eggs anymore yeah would really not common. touch them and now he re- he's like refuses to eat eggs and we're like oh did we did we make a mistake here? yeah maybe no we made a no mistake. no it's maybe. totally it's really common i think it's i think it's they become more um aware of the smell of, of oh. eggs it's really common for 12 month olds to start refusing eggs or one-year-olds yeah, um, eggs don't smell great. Well, he's he's coming on three and a half now. Still won't have <laughs> still it. Have so I don't know. Maybe someday. I maybe have a like I have 12. a little trick for you then. Um, oh yeah. So uh, one thing that can really help is to bring a hard boiled egg to the table, both peeled, so one that's like ready to eat whole, and one that's in the shell. Don't put it in front of him. Just put it like you know within reach, within view, and start. Mm-hmm tapping it yourself and just start peeling it and uh, don't even say a thing about it and see if he reaches for one. You might be like a week into it. He's fussing with the shell, smashing it, making a mess. There's no ingestion. You know, next week, maybe taking a bite of the egg white. And then you can talk to him about the prize inside, which is the gold Uh, gold prize. (laughs) That usually works with preschoolers. That's actually very smart. Do That's you remember? Funny. Do you remember that time we were eating, uh, eating an egg or like making an egg or something? And he was like, "That's a chicken." Oh yeah. Do you remember when he said that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Our Terrifying. our nanny is vegan and gluten free, and <laughs> I I thank her every day because she makes vegetables for him and he like eats vegetables because she makes them so delicious. But we also get these sort of random things from Wes being like you know, there's a chicken in there, right? And I'm like, uh, te- that's not technically true. Here I Wes. am trying to explain <laughs> um, what, Let like, me explain to you. Fertilized so like a fertilized egg eggs. is this and a non-fertilized <laughs> egg. 
Yeah, yeah. There's that. That's what just that's just living in LA. The chicken or the unfertilized egg. <laughs> well. But but so so Wes is a very good eater. We took him to Singapore a nice. year well, about a year and a half ago. Um no, about two years ago. And uh I mean he was he was eating like Indian food and just you know, just just loving it. And so I feel like we did good with Wes. But I feel like we're going to do even better with Finn, I hope who so. is seven months old now. That's I mean, what Ariel second children me. are for. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Ariel told me that we could start him just eating his own solids. And I thought to myself, uh, what? He, he, he's going <laughs> to choke on a carrot yeah. or something. I literally like I, I just I but like he doesn't. I super steamed carrots. I call them I, I call it super steaming because they get so soft. And I just set them in front of Finn, and you mean he's just like, yeah, overcooked. <laughs> you overcooked the carrots. Well, yeah. it, but overcooked means we'll something. We'll call it. Yeah, overcooked steamed. implies something bad. <laughs> yeah, they're these super are not steamed. Overcooked. These are super steamed. They're super <laughs> steamed. They have no crunchiness left whatsoever. That's like next time we have a dinner party where something is like not quite. It's right. like burned. I think we just need and to I'm market like, it. It's super cooked. It's, it's super, super cooked. cooked. It's great. Yeah, I did that. Two yeah, days ago, we 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 kind of like super singed our Brussels uh, on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, these are hyper crunchy. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it! These are Stop it! Power cooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. So I'll just set these carrots in front of Finn, and he's just happy as a clam. Just yop, 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 yop. and I have no idea how much food he's actually getting, but. But, but I mean, now that I am sort of like tapped into this baby led weaning uh, situation, I'm like, does it actually matter if he's getting any food? He's like he's he's going through this experience of eating and he's eating at the table with us. And it's just this, you know, it's just this wonderful situation and so easy. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So so much easier. I love that it breaks apart the notion that parents are expected to make one meal for themselves and another for their baby. I think Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, that's where things with um, convenience baby food, which didn't really exist until about 1930. um, Mm. I think that's where, you know, like with everything in America, we just took it too far. convenience has its place and I love me a good yogurt pouch on the way to swim class or whatever it is um but you know when we when we think about it that was sort of the start of okay baby's no longer eating the family food you're no longer Mm -hmm. modifying family food to make it safe for baby you're now serving baby this jar or this pouch or whatever 
Um, right. So I love that it's the same meal because it's so much easier on the parent and whoever the parent right. is cooking, it's to, you know, often the mom. Um, so we love it for that reason. But to answer your other question, you know, does it matter if they're eating as much? What's really interesting is that it's actually easy to overfeed a baby when you're spoon feeding um, just mm. because they're not in control of the pace um, or the exact amount necessarily, right? Sometimes it's happening more quickly than... Um, I think babies would feed themselves if they had the spoon or their fingers. Sure. Um, and if you watch babies kind of self-feeding versus spoon feeding, you'll see that the spoon feeding can be really rapid. It's like the parents like, you know, scraping the bottom of the jar or the pouch or whatever, like thinking they have to finish finish this amount because that's what the amount was in the jar. But is that the amount that particular baby needs? Not necessarily. So we love self-feeding and baby led weaning because the child, like th those cues are built in. Your baby on day one after birth told you when they were hungry and they looked away when they were full. That, you know, is definitely uh, built in. If a parent is wondering, how do I even get started? What are some good mm -hmm. starter foods? Yeah. So generally, you want to look for something that is naturally soft, super nutritious, and easy for the baby to self-hold, like to self-feed. So we love avocado for that reason. It's, you know, just sort of mashes between your fingers. It's super high in fat and nutrients. And if you even serve a half or like a quarter of it, the baby can grab it with their fist. You know, six-month-old babies don't have the sort of finger articulation to pick up small pieces of food. Like when you look at the baby food cookbooks and you often see those perfect little diced potatoes or the little squares of this and that. It's completely impossible for a six-month-old to pick up those foods. You would have to do it for them. And when you are picking up foods for your baby and putting it in their mouth, it actually increases the risk of choking. So the notion that smaller is safer is not always true. So we like to look for big soft foods or on the other hand, really big resistive foods that kind of act like teethers. So one of our mm. favorite, 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 this is not going to go over well with the California audience, but um, first foods is spare ribs. And you can even take most of the meat off the bone. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> the, reason, the reason those are so great for babies is because um, young babies don't yet have a mental map of their mouth, meaning if there's a little piece of rice in the back of their tongue, their brain hasn't quite made that connection or that map of the mouth to know like, I'm going to move that piece of rice forward and spit it out or swallow it. Mm -hmm. So you have to provide a lot of sensory input to the tongue in these early days for the brain to learn where food is and how to move it around, move it to the side for chewing, all that stuff. So the bigger the food, the better. So we love corn on the cob. We love spare mm. ribs, chicken drumsticks. Like think of like, you know, the Flintstones days, like anything that, totally. you know. <laughs> I actually, uh, we had a barbecue last Sunday where we burned the Brussels sprouts <laughs> and- um, Super singed, uh, super singed. Uh, so, yeah, super, super singed, super singed. Uh, and and I, I just cut like a big old uh, piece of pork chop for Finn and just handed it to him and he just sucked on it for like 30 minutes. Love it. Like, and he's actually you know, getting he, some iron and- uh, from yeah. the juices and all of that. So that can be a really wonderful so thing. Get a little bit of flavor from 
the juices and yeah. then mm-hmm. they won't choke because it's so big they can just hold it and manipulate it almost like exactly. a food toy yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. and finn, 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 spare has, ribs. finn has no teeth which i'm a little worried about because he's already seven months old and no like, no no there's don't worry not even like like a, 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 an idea of a tooth in there yeah. um but yeah so he's, he's just going to town gumming on this like piece of meat yeah. which ned is so happy about oh yeah I mean, Babies? you know, man, I just live in California. I ain't like <laughs> from California, you know what I'm saying? Well, we, I, I didn't really. So, so uh, you know, Finn is still breastfed. And, um, uh, and so our doctor was saying, you really need to introduce iron-rich foods mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. as soon as possible. And, uh, and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, spinach, uh, oatmeal. Uh, no, you, I mean, you got to go for the meat. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, Finn's first yeah. food was was steak. The funny fact for you, spinach actually doesn't mm. have that much iron. The reason we think it yeah. does is because the chemist Popeyes. back in the 1800s, when they were analyzing um, the iron content, made a decimal error in his handwritten notes, and no one <laughs> recognized the mistake for like 75 years. And hey, then in what? that time, the the, um, the cartoon Popeye came out and kind yeah. of re- reinforcing this notion that spinach was really high in iron. But what's also really kind of funny is that spinach Spinach contains um, oxalates, which like inhibit iron absorption. So anyway, it sounds like chicken liver might be up your alley one day. (laughs) Yeah, I actually I got chicken liver recently, and I think yeah, because because you do a whole chicken save the giblets. You know why I got it is because I downloaded the hundred first foods. And 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 I, and I just went down the list and I just put them in my Whole Foods cart. I was like, tick 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 tick. Great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the what? highest iron foods are like nut butters for plant based babies are the best things. Mm-hmm. Just like mix them into yogurt or applesauce or whatever smoothies mm-hmm. for toddlers. Nut butters are like the godsend for iron. Um, for omnivorous children, um, you've got sardines, you've got liver, lamb, red meat, pork, chicken. Um, iron from meat absorbs in our body better than iron from plants. It's actually two different types of iron. So um, that's, you know, something to consider as well if you have a, if you have a mostly plant-based baby, for those of you listening. We have a couple of omnivorous babies. Yeah, highly omnivorous. Uh, I am mostly plant-based, uh, but Ned is, is mostly meat-based. Yeah, kind of like. <laughs> Super singer. I think because of our uh, relationship, I like, you know, don't eat a lot of meat at home. So then I'll like take the special occasions, the opportunities uh-huh. go a little overboard. We've had a lot of special occasions recently. That's true. We, uh, we do kind so of when every day is a party. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, Wes's favorite food is probably steak. Um, just cut into small pieces. And, but he doesn't really like chicken, though. He doesn't like chicken. Doesn't like yeah, chicken. It's weird. He likes steak and salmon. Yeah. Doesn't like chicken. Didn't but really. I'm okay with it. He wasn't super into the pork chop. But I, I, uh, there like sardines. Ned was unpacking our, our, uh, groceries the other day and he was like, Ariel, really? Sardines? And I was like, sorry. They're, they're Salad starts made me do it. We're thinking of making t-shirts or onesies that say solid starts made me do it because it's been <laughs> a, a like hashtag uh, thing that folks have been doing a lot, which is kind of funny. Like people <laughs> Wait, so having sardines those... for the first time in their life as adults even, right? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never had sardines except maybe on a pizza. Maybe on a pizza. Yeah. What out of what are some of the most uh, esoteric foods out of that list of 400? I mean, it's like is octopus <laughs> on there. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's on the <laughs> like what's what, on the list? 
what might we not be thinking of? Chicken liver is a good one. Chicken liver is a good one. Because we definitely uh, routinely I, I throw out the I have slept on chicken liver my entire life. There is absolutely no way that I would eat a chicken liver. But <laughs> I will make it for my child. <laughs> and just, just so you can get those blood results at the pediatrician's office so well, right? Like the mm-hmm. things will, the exactly. lengths will go to. <laughs> Um, so gosh, so the database when it's done will have every food in the world in it. So from sea cucumbers from Japan to edible tarantulas from the Amazon, right? So, um, we have about 200 plus loaded and live right now and another five, 600 in the works with our team of nutritionists and dietitians and stuff who review it. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say the most adventurous for, for my family that my twins have eaten, and obviously what's adventurous for me might be commonplace for someone else, which is something that this has really opened my eyes to, um, oh, is probably sure. um, edible grasshoppers. So grasshoppers are pretty common in Mexico and other countries. Um, they're dried and roasted and salted and eaten as snacks. And it was the first insect that I ever, you know, like bought. And I went to like a gourmet <laughs> website and, you know, they were like uh, probably like way too expensive. And they arrived and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to feed my babies something I have not had myself. Like I have to, (laughs) it has to be, they're not like test, you know. (laughs) So I I filmed myself eating the grasshopper and I I love watching this video over and over again because I eat it and I'm like, wait, that doesn't taste like a bug. And I'm like, wait, what would a bug taste like? You don't even know. (laughs) It literally tasted like a grassy potato chip, like a salty grassy potato chip. But like the psychological barrier of just, you know, sitting down to do it felt really intense for me. But what's crazy is that 80% of the world eats insects on a regular basis. Like we're in the minority on this. Huh. That is so funny. have done, you know, back in the day, old BuzzFeed videos, we could eat scorpions or other insects. I mean, they they were really good. They get you know salted up, seared up, get it nice and nice and spiced, and then you just eat it. And it's like crunch, 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 crunch. Yum, 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 yum. We're gonna scare all the moms off here. I know, I know. <laughs> Baby led you meaning is not I... about insects, people. It's okay. Um, no, but you know, there's something larger happening, which is around sustainability, right? Like you know, you look at cricket right, yeah. flour and cricket bars, like. You know, I, I think that we're starting to see a shift away from from meat and animal protein for a number of reasons. If we're going to replace that nutrient in our diet, um, uh, edible insects, like things like cricket flour and stuff, are actually a really um, kind of natural uh, evolution of that. So who knows? Maybe a hundred years from now, yeah. we'll all just be eating bugs. <laughs> Hard to say. I mean, I'm on board. I I wrap my head around it um but it's okay so i feel like the uh the scariest thing about baby led weaning is but it, it at least for me is the swallowing and yeah and just you know this situation i'm always worried they're gonna choke i'm worried that he's gonna choke um but i know uh this is something that i did not realize was a job that there are like in like uh infant swallowing specialists that you have on your team. <laughs> like, wh- so yeah. what, uh, uh, tell me a little bit about why this is not as much of an issue as I think it is. You know, when I was building the team for Solid Starts, it was so important to me 
I think because I'm the type A mom who worries about this kind of stuff to have like the allergist and the MD pediatrician and the swallowing specialist and the feeding therapist and the pediatric dietitians because no other um, organization that I know of has pulled that sort of multidisciplinary comprehensive team together for this. And when we're talking about baby led weaning, which is a departure from what we've always done, that felt really important to me from a trust and credibility perspective. So that's why we have, um, you know, infant swallowing specialists on our team. So the thing is, though, is the, the, the likelihood that your child is going to choke is really quite rare. It's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. similar to the likelihood your child's going to have an allergy, for example. I mean, it's like, Eight mm-hmm. percent of kids are going to have an allergic reaction, so ninety-two percent of us won't have to, you know, deal with that. Um, you know, choking is is rare. You'll see statistics like, you know, it's the number one cause of death and things like this. And um, you know, for certain age groups, that can be true, but it's often those statistics are often including toddlers and three-year-olds. Well, what do we know about toddlers and three-year-olds? They are running around. You can't catch them. They grab something they off put the stuff counter in their mouth and they that's not food. bolt. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when we look at choking statistics, for example, like we are afraid because the media and everyone else has sort of told us that we should be afraid, right? Um, but those statistics have rarely just sort of isolated the infant. Um, the the thing that I hope will make you feel better is that um, the way an infant's mouth is structured is more tightly compact. Um, they actually don't have as much space here as we do. So things can't really make it that far back um, to be, you know, super dangerous. And sort of the bigger is better is why... Um, what you'll you'll always hear us say. Um, But the other thing is that they have a number of built-in protections. So they've got the lingering tongue thrust. If you've ever touched a a four-month-old's tongue, um, you'll see it kind of dart forward like a snake. That's a tongue thrust. It literally pushes things forward. Um, (laughs) If you've ever seen a baby take a a too big bite of food or stick their fingers too far um, back in their mouth or a teether, right, they'll gag. The gag reflex has your back. It is really easily triggered in babies and it's much more further forward the trigger point on the tongue than it is for an adult so for you and me to gag like a piece of food would have to get pretty far back in you know in our throat right to elicit that kind of retching motion for an infant it's going to happen around here so like your baby's gonna gag a lot and they're gonna gag for several months and they may um gag at every meal or multiple times in the meal. This is, I hate to say it, but kind of part of learning to eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, for all of our audio only listeners of this podcast, Jenny only, uh, she, it like, was like uh, the very center up to her, her tongue. Imagine yeah. like the Yeah, part so the first third of the tongue. Down mm-hmm. into. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, and you'll often see babies gag um, more on small particles of food like rice or quinoa or couscous, that kind of thing. Um, because they're just not able yet to know where that is in the mouth. And it's like, whoa, what is all this (laughs) going on in my mouth and what do I do with it? Um, So that's why we love these like big, almost like stick shaped foods like corn on the cob, chicken drumsticks. Um, A mango pit is my go to for really worried parents because your child can't bite through the mango pit and it just kind of they can suck and teeth on it. Um, But you know what else? Like the thing that I really as much as we were talking about adventurous foods and, you know, going 
kind of whole hog, literally and figuratively. I um I, I think Thanks. it's really important to make the distinction that this is about self-feeding. So it's less mm. important about it, you know, the like crazy food that you might be feeding your child and baby led weaning. It's more important to let them self-feed. So you can have a baby self-feed a puree. So if that's the only way you can wrap your mind mm-hmm. around, you know, starting to let them kind of have control at the table, put puree in a bowl, um, a suction bowl or something on the table and let them finger paint. Um, yeah. That in and of itself will be a huge step toward uh, raising a happy eater and an eater that actually wants to come back to the table. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we got these, um, like almost like teething spoons for Finn Mm -hmm. so that like we'll sit him at the table and kind of give him, uh, I I mean, even, uh, mushed up something mushed up, uh, avocado, you know, if, if, if maybe I, I didn't have the time to like slice it or something like that, I'll just stick it in a bowl and just go mush, 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 give him a little guacamole or something. And, um, uh, and then give him a spoon and he'll just kind of like, you know, play with the spoon, dip the spoon, put it in his mouth and then chew on it and then it drops on the floor and then you pick it up and then it drops on the floor and then you pick it up. And it's just, I mean, you know, it's just constant. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it it certainly is, uh, you know, you said kind of wrapping your head around letting your baby self-feed and, and we very much were brought up with this idea that purees are the first food. Um, and like that, that, that is just, that that is the safest way to feed your child. Um, and, and it, you know, it turns out it's, it doesn't have to be. Um, and, but if, if that's still something that you want to experiment with, it's okay to, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we have so many methods these days, right? Like exercise methods, diet methods. We're a little Mm. over methody. (laughs) I'm really hoping to kind of break these down and break the barriers down too between the spoon feeding and baby led weaning audiences and the breastfeeding and the formula audiences Mm. because food can just be food, however you want to do it. But the reality is by eight months old, your child should be self-feeding anyway. So if you want to start with purees, Mm -hmm. start with purees, but move quickly toward finger food. Um, The problem happens when we see children exclusively spoon fed for a really prolonged period of time. Like I spoon fed Mm -hmm. Charlie until I want to say 14 months old. Like that was the only way he ate for a really long time um, because I was just so afraid and I didn't know what I was doing. The amount of information for solids, well, used to be really small. You would go to your doctor's office and you'd get like a a tear off, like a half page tear off. Yeah. Like start with four tablespoons of rice cereal and, you know, one fruit and one veggie or whatever and like be on your way. And there are like entire institutions dedicated to breastfeeding and formula right. composition and all of that. But you eat solid food for a way longer time in your <laughs> life. And it's also way scarier for the parents. So right, exactly. I'm, hope, I'm yeah. hoping that we're filling that void. <laughs> yeah, even even now, I mean, we, at, from our doctor, yeah, we, we just got sort of a like, what uh oh okay four months well okay so now they're they're so our doctor had us start solids with both our kids at four months um and we were like okay so how do we do that where do we even begin you know and they were like well you know you want the iron rich foods and then the, the they didn't really specify like should we be serving them you know chunks of food should we be serving them purees anything like that they were more um 
uh, interested in the allergens. And so yes. the, yeah. they're uh, like, you got to hit eggs. Yeah. Bam. So, so, you know, there, so I guess the, uh, the recommendation right now is to introduce all the big allergens before, uh, before babies turn one or before babies turn eight months or something like that. So that, so that they are, uh, so they have experience with these foods and and I don't really know how that works but I think it lowers the chance that yeah. they develop allergies. Yeah. Yeah, because yes, you're exactly. kind of introducing it early okay. and slowly over yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas if someone exactly. like has so, literally never eaten an egg and then they turn 5 and they have egg salad and it's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, then their body overreacts to it." Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. I think we the, don't exactly idea. know. Yeah, no, you're right, Ned. We don't exactly know why it is. Um, we also don't know why allergies are increasing because they are. Um, hmm. Interestingly, you know, if you were a mom or a dad like back in like 2000 or so and you went yeah. to the doctor's office, they would have told you to hold off on all allergens until closer to age three, which is like completely the opposite of today, right? Well, wow. in that time, in the decade or two that passed in that um, in that time when that recommendation was in place, um, allergies actually increased over 80% in, in children. So wow. one all of the those, things they realized is they allergies. had it totally backwards. But also in that time, what happened is there was a, a kind of landmark study around peanuts. And the idea was, wait, if kids in you know, West Africa are eating peanuts every day and the peanut allergy rate is really low there. Like, and same thing with Israel and the peanut, the bomba puffs, which is really common to feed children early on and peanut allergy is really low there. Is there something there? Turns out there is. So um, it doesn't, the the evidence doesn't apply to every single food allergen, but for um, peanuts in particular and eggs and a couple others, there's really strong evidence that you can actually prevent the allergy from developing altogether forever um, with the early introduction. But I will add, because our allergist would want me to, that you have to (laughs) keep the allergen in the diet two to three times a week for five years. Wow. For it to have Babies the like, don't full even eat that much So you can't just be How like, we... we did salmon and we're never doing salmon again, right? Right, right. He tried peanut butter. We did great. We did it. Not allergic. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, well, uh, that's to good to know. Chicken liver intake. I think uh, we're going to need to just serve Van a lot more food. <laughs> The mixed the mixed <laughs> nut butters, like Trader Joe's has a mixed nut butter, can be... Um, really easy for tree nuts and stuff like that. Yeah. Just like yeah. get a mixed nut butter so that has all, all the common the nuts, nuts in once. it. <laughs> yeah. We noticed as adults when we did an elimination diet to try and, you know, check out some things with our bodies. I I had never been, you know, in any way reactive towards milk and like cutting out dairy for 30 days and then reintroducing it totally made me that much more like reactive to it not allergic but you know kind of 
weird stuff happening in my <laughs> belly. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. I've been doing fine with milk this whole time. I just did this like randomly for fun. And now I've <laughs> like ruined my milk tolerance by <laughs> going away from it for a month. That's interesting. Um, You're probably now, just a little uh, you know, lactose intolerant. It actually gets worse yeah, with age. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, I'm back on the cream now. So <laughs> back on, He's back on the cream. Back on the cream, doing just fine, doing just fine. Built up that tolerance again. No more weird stuff. Iron belly, full of cream. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's actually true. Ned, uh... It's like a dairy fanatic. I love sorbet as much as the next guy, but give me that whipped cream. Give me that ice cream, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so if someone's listening and they're like, this all sounds great, but my toddler is already two and already developing signs of picky eating. I mean, how can someone both prevent picky eating mm -hmm. as well as like kind of course correct if they're already noticing some uh, some tensions around feeding time? Yeah. So first, almost every child goes through um, a really selective or picky eating phase. And it's, you know, sort of common around like age two or 18 months to, you know, age six. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. They're just wired at that age to be more wary of new things. So something that they might have eaten readily as a six month old suddenly becomes like, wait, what is what is that? And why is it that color? And why does it have those seeds all over it? And, you know, it becomes this whole other thing. So, you know, take it in stride as you go through that and know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, my very extreme picky eater Charlie last night um, was smelling uh, ripe peaches in our kitchen and he was on his way to bed and he goes, what's that smell? What's that smell? And I said, it's the peaches. And he goes, can I touch one? I said, of course. He goes over, <laughs> he touches it and he's kind of putting it to his nose and smelling it and sniffing it some more. I said, you could take a bite if you want. And he did and then he finished the whole peach. It was his first peach ever in his life because oh he's so gosh. picky. Um, so there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Part of it has to do with age and part of it has to do with the parenting style. So when we talk about preventing picky eating, it's really important to acknowledge the sort of evidence behind how it develops and why. There are certain kids, you know, whether there's like sensory processing issues or just other sort of, you know, developmental issues that are going to put them more at risk of picky eating. And no matter what you do, they're going to end up picky. So I want to say that for the parents who are in that boat, because you didn't do anything wrong, you just sometimes end up there. Um, but for the vast majority of typically developing babies, um, they really don't need to be on a path of picky eating and why they end up on a path of really picky eating. And when I say picky eating, I mean like refusing dinner repeatedly, only eating certain types of food that are like, you know, puffs or graham crackers or cheddar bunnies or, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. The three main food groups. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Puffs, graham crackers, cheddar bunnies. Exactly. If you feel stressed coming to the table with your child, there's probably an issue. And that's sort of the litmus test there for me. But when we talk about preventing picky eating, what the research shows, and what I can tell you as a mom who's been through this um, 
for five years now, is that it really comes down to um, handing over the reins to the child at the table. So the more controlling you are at the table, whether it's exclusive spoon feeding and not letting them grab the spoon um, from your hand, whether it's um, constantly wiping their face because you want to stay really clean and kind of sending that message that food is dirty, um, whether it's telling them they have to finish their broccoli before they can have dessert. You can imagine like there's all these different ways control can kind of take place at the table. The more controlling a parent is at the table, the more at risk they are of unintentionally raising sort of a a, a picky eater. So, you know, it turns out six-month-old babies like to be in charge of what they're eating just as much as we do. Like if you imagine someone like coming at you, (laughs) you know, with with the spoon and then coming at you with a washcloth and wiping your face, like babies don't like this experience. So when we try to unravel picky eating, we often first go to how do we give the child control? Okay, we're going to give them more choices at the table. Maybe they were only offered some one dish before. Now we're going to give them a choice of two proteins in very small amounts. So you just, okay, now they a little bit more, you know, agency in the matter. Um, when we think about preventing picky eating, it's about doing all of the opposite of that. So channel a dinner party vibe, clink your glasses, make it joyful, take your <laughs> eyes off of their food. Don't count bites. Don't measure ounces. Don't, you know, how much do we have to finish this much of of puree really try to kind of get out of the way actually and let your child um lead that experience then you'll you'll have the best shot you can at preventing picky eating i'm gonna i i gotta say right now it's hard it is hard to do that like i know that i know that in my brain that that is what i'm supposed to do and yet ned and i are looking at each other because Last night, like last night at dinner, I told Wes, you need to eat these three pieces of broccoli and then you can have like some banana ice cream, you know, which is just cream and banana whipped together. And then he said, I don't want banana ice cream. And, and he, he left the table. Charged out the door, the front you door. Lose. And, and we started. Were like, Do not leave the table without saying, without asking to be excused. This is the thing. A, a three-year-old cares more about doing it their way than going to bed hungry. Once you figure out that game, you you will see that it's so much easier. This is my best advice for you. You have to fake it. Feign indifference. Act like you don't care. <laughs> that really gets them going. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It's oh, so no. bad because like... I, I I know that I'm not supposed to be doing this. And yet, like, here is my three-year-old sitting at the table. Eating nothing. Eating. Yeah. Jail just, he's just sitting there eating nothing. And then he's, and then he'll, like, like leave the table. And we. Only the butter. We, yeah. He'll, he, <laughs> he literally will pick the butter off of his noodles and just eat the butter. And I'm. Suck the butter and off and the noodles. And I'm sitting here looking at, like, looking at Ned and being like, this can't be what he's going to eat tonight, you know? But and like, you know what though? Here's the thing. <laughs> Here I am. Here's I've been thing. slaving let's over this say, chicken all day. Let's say he ate the broccoli. Let's say he ate yeah. the broccoli and he ate the three pieces of broccoli and then he got the banana ice cream or whatever. You won the short game. You didn't yeah. win the long game because all those little short game wins, you know, whether you're incentivizing or bribing or pressuring or whatever it is, 
in any formation feels like pressure to the child. And the moment a child feels pressured, it's going to backfire. So there's a little saying that I'm going to leave you with, which is the more you pressure your child to eat, the less they're likely to eat. Converse is true. The more you back off and give your child space, the more likely, the more they are, they're likely to eat. So that holds true across the board. It's pretty universal. You may need to kind of do a little bit of a, a, a hard reset with him. And what we, um, what we often recommend with kids who are just licking the butter off the pasta or whatever it is, uh-huh. is to have a week where you're going to let him eat anything. So that might be like, you get to choose breakfast. pasta with butter for breakfast, pasta with butter for lunch, pasta, <laughs> maybe just butter for dinner, <laughs> whatever it is you want. And you're not going to comment on it. You're not going to notice anything. There's no rules. It's just, you know, letting him find joy again in eating. Um, you're going to mm. offer some other choices as well because he might get sick of pasta with butter. I'm not sure, but he might. Um, and then yeah. when that week- impossible. Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) When that week is up and you've done your hard set, you can go back to a new approach. And what we would recommend is actually starting um, the meals in a place that was different, like physically different than where he was before to break the environmental association um, that happened before. So when we have really severe picky eaters, um, whether they're 12 months old or five years old, we'll often recommend doing a hard reset, like You want to eat cheddar bunnies all week? Fine, eat cheddar bunnies all week just to get them eating again and enjoying it and feeling in control. And then change the location of the high chair or the booster chair, whatever it is. Have a picnic on the floor. Do lunch in the stroller, whatever it is, just to kind of break the association of that, um, the place that they may associate with pressure. A lot of kids start crying when they're put into the high chair um, Uh because it's their very kind of... um, yeah, like environmentally sensitive in that way. Right. So if you want him to eat more, pressure him less. <laughs> wow. I think this brings us back to the morning popsicle. And uh, <laughs> now knowing what we know, what would you say about the morning popsicle that he's so, so proudly got all by himself? <laughs> I have to say I would let him eat it. Like, what's the big deal at the end what's of the, the day deal? when he's in college? Dude, are you going to remember said. that he got like a popsicle one morning? No, you're not going to care. You don't sure. have to be pure yeah. about it. You know, I think yeah. I think particularly in our culture, we're very like nutrition focused. We're very pure, like breakfast is breakfast and this, you know, but does it actually matter to his body, physiologically speaking, whether the popsicle was ingested at 8 a.m. versus 8 p.m.? No, that's a cultural construct. You know, dessert and that notion is, is a cultural construct. So, um, you know, I might say, oh, we're having popsicles this morning. OK, that wasn't on the menu, but yeah, we could make an exception this morning. But tomorrow we're going to start back with eggs. <laughs> that's very smart. That's very smart. That's very smart. I mean, certainly better than being like, you put that popsicle away. <laughs> Which is near what we did. Yeah, basically. Ouch. Yeah. 
then I'd probably put the popsicles out of reach. <laughs> yeah, mm, that's, yeah. That's a good that's point the, too. That's yeah. the issue with that bottom freezer. It is, it yeah. is right at toddler height and he loves opening that thing up and like seeing what's inside. Put the popsicles in the in the garage freezer. Yeah. Deep freezer. Lock and Deep key. freezer. Yeah. Salmon freezer. <laughs> the, the breast milk freezer. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Jenny Best from Solid Starts. If you're listening and you haven't subscribed yet, hit subscribe, join the community. Uh, we are Baby Steps, the weekly parenting comedy podcast with a dose of realness. Jenny, where can everybody find you? Solidstarts.com or Solid Starts on Instagram. Life's a journey. Take baby steps. <laughs>